Welcome to another message from Bridge Assembly, located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information on Bridge, go to our website at bridgehelena.com. It is our prayer that this message will help you to connect with God, connect with others, and connect others with God. Father God, we, we lift you high today. Lord God, we rejoice in your being. We rejoice in your name. We rejoice in your very character. God of the universe, the wind and the waves obey your name. Every single thing that you created, which is every single thing, knows and obeys your name. So, Lord God, as we, as we stand here today, Lord God, pressing in and worshiping you, Lord God, let it be heartfelt to us. Lord, we have nothing to offer you except ourselves. And, Lord God, we lay ourselves as a sacrifice to you upon your altar. We lift high the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the one that came and bled for us and died for us and rose for us lord god to provide an atonement for the sins that we just are stuck in but lord god because jesus your blood cleanses us of those sins lord you you came back to life you conquered death so that that we didn't have to live there lord how grateful can we be what words can we use to express our gratitude towards you there are none they all fall short so lord god just take our worship take our hearts we lay them before you and Lord God, I know, I know you are still on your throne. I know that, that all things obey your names, from, from Satan himself and his demons, to the wind and the waves, to sickness, to, to hurt hearts. Lord, we need you. We need you more now than ever. So, Lord, in this time, in this, in this service, in this house, be glorified by your church who seeks after you. Lord, we forsake all other things and cherish you. Help us to get our heads right, forsaking and getting rid of all the junk in our lives. Help us to get our hearts right, desiring you, pursuing you, spending time with you, laying it all before you. Lord, we love you. Jesus, we thank you. We pray this in your name, your mighty name, your beautiful name, your powerful name, the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. We did have one more um, prayer requests that came in over Facebook Live. And uh, it came from Judy Webster. Her foster granddaughter was involved in a rollover accident last night on McDonald Pass. Um, 
she is at home, broken elbow. She's in a, in a neck collar, but we just want to lift her up and pray healing upon her life. Um, and that God would make himself real and relevant to her in this time of, of uncertainty, in this time of, of pain, um, of questioning. So, Lord, we lift her up right now. Lord God, we ask that you touch her life. Lord God, we ask that you touch her broken bones. But most of all, Lord God, we ask that you touch her heart. Reveal yourself to her in a mighty and an awesome way. Give her peace. Um, take away her pain. But comfort her. We pray this in your name, Jesus. And once again, everyone said, Amen. Kids! That's you, you kids, and you kids, and you kids. You guys are dismissed. You guys can go downstairs, make some noise, have some fun. All right. I got a couple quick announcements. If you are planning to come to church next week, don't come here. Doesn't that sound weird? Don't come here because we won't be here. We will be down at Spring Meadow. Um, it's Bridges Day to serve. So at 10 o'clock, same time as always, so that means for a lot of you, 10, 10, 10, 15. Right? I had to get that in somewhere. Come down to Spring Meadow. We are going to just get together. We're going to do, it's going to be lighter labor. So don't think we're going to be doing a lot of heavy lifting and things like that. It's a lot of cleanup, you know, throughout the winter and things like that. Things fall out of shape. There'll be trash down there. There'll be rocks that need to be, you know, kind of swept here and there. We're going to go serve them, but I want you guys to understand this is more than just going and donating our time. It's a time where we can, number one, show the community that we we want to invest in our own community, right? So we're getting together to, to do that, but there's something else that happens on days like this, and it's a little thing called fellowship. It's too easy to come to church because y'all sit the same way and then some guy faces y'all and talks the whole time. But sometimes we just need fellowship. And times like this, um, any more with our busy lifestyles and, and, you know, growing up in Kansas in a small town, every, every house in our neighborhood had a porch and a porch swing. And you could just fellowship with people throughout the evenings and, and on weekends. And we don't have that, that much anymore. And it's, it's, it's sad to say that even within churches, we suffer this, uh, this connection of true fellowship. So May 1st, 2022 at 10 a.m. at Spring Meadow Lake, sure, we're going to pick stuff up. We're going to tidy that place up. But I want to encourage you to come simply and, and, and fundamentally for the fellowship that we can experience. And when you do come, right? Because you guys are coming, right? When you do come, try to break out of your normal group, right? Some of you guys don't even have, some of you guys' normal group is yourself, right? Try to break out of those things and, and talk to other people, people that you don't really know. Get involved with them, fellowship with them, learn about their lives, and then we're going to end it with lunch. It's going to be fun down there. We'll be outside. If, if we need to have spontaneous baptisms, I'm all for that. I'm sure the water is so nice and warm by now. But I don't care. I go fishing all the time in, in foul weather and cold water. I'm used to it. I won't bring my waders because that might look a little weird. But if anybody wants a baptism, holler at me or maybe that's something that just happens that day. I will say one last thing again. Like Dave said, know my heart. I don't want to offend anybody. 
But when a day like this comes about and it's like, oh, Bridge is meeting at Spring Meadow, I guess I get Sunday off. If we're not really having church, then, then I guess I don't really need to go. Well, there's a difference between simply going to church and actually being part of a church, right? If you just simply go to church, you look at a day like this and say, well, if they're not having church, I'm not going to go down there and do that kind of thing. I might have to talk to people and pick trash up. That's, that's the mentality of, of I, I go to church, I go to that church, I go to that church building and I do my thing and I, and I get out of there. It's a big difference between that and being a part of a church. Being a part of the church means I'm invested in, in the people, the bride of Christ, the church itself. So I want to encourage you, I don't want to guilt anybody to come, but we are having hot dogs and chips and cookies. That's more of a bribe than guilt. Um, <laughs> And then the fellowship, we will have in your bulletins, it'll kind of tell you how, what you need to bring and everything. Um, we'll have the big grill down there. Um, we'll have rakes and, and shovels as needed. I would bring some gloves and, and things like that. We'll have water and lemonade and possibly coffee and, and whatever we need to do. But, but please come for the simple fact that each one of us are in desperate need of connection especially coming out of the two years that we've come out of, right? Where society says, isolate yourself, be alone. The church doesn't believe that, and this church doesn't believe that. So please come. 10 o'clock, Spring Meadow. The maroon trailer will be down there, so we'll just all gather around. We'll just kind of split up. We'll do our thing. We'll come back together. We'll eat. We'll just have a good old time. Um, another thing I want to throw out there to put on calendars is our VBS coming up this summer. I know that seems like a ways out, but it also doesn't seem like next Sunday could be May 1st, does it? which it is. So Bridge Assembly, Zaboomer, or Zaboomerang, Zoomerang, um, June 13th through 17th, it'll be 9 a.m. to noon here. Bring your kids, bring your grandkids, bring your neighbor's kids, bring your uncle's kids, your aunt's kids. Let's just pack this thing. Bring kids that have never been to church before. Bring kids that go to another church and just need something to go to. We're open. We want to pack this thing as much as possible. If you would like to volunteer, grab Bruce or Debbie. There's always spots. If we can get as many kids as we would desire to, to this VBS, then we're going to need more adult supervision, which I don't really fall under that because I usually need adult supervision, but I'm going to be here. I'm going to have a blast. There'll be kangaroos and crocodiles and, and all sorts of things, but there's a lot of fun coming up. So that's another thing. Put on your calendar. Think about that. Um, as we go through this message today, hopefully Zoomerang will be in the back of your mind with what we're talking about. And then finally, um, Many of you know, and we're here Friday when we had Renee's Stories Memorial here. Um, long, 17-some years, battle with cancer, um, but she went home, and we, joyce, we, we rejoice with that. Wednesday nights was something that Renee always loved to do, so she would always come in early and help with the meal preparation on Wednesday nights. So this Wednesday night will be dedicated to her. And we ask and invite you to come out and celebrate her with this meal on Wednesday night. We just want to take that time and, and, uh, and celebrate Renee. So that starts at 530. 
get here about 5.15, that's okay too. Um, and then you can stay for our class on Wednesday nights that Charlie is teaching. It's been, been amazing. Who is Jesus? Um, but if you just want to come to the meal, we understand that as well. But let's celebrate Renee, and I think it'll just be a great thing for our church to get together and do. All right, let's move on to giving. And I do have an announcement about giving. If you give online and you are still giving with Simple Give, this is the last week you will be able to do that. We are ending Simple Give. They've raised their prices and their rates just, I mean, it wasn't like a little bump. It was a big bump. So we have a new giving platform that you need to shift to. So as of today, we need everybody off the Simple Give and on the new one, which you can get to through our website and through your phones and things like that. Um, and then that giving platform is also tied to the ability to text to give because we always have our cell phones on, don't we? And, and you know, this is the only appropriate time to be texting in church is to give, right? So if I look at you and you're texting, just show me. I can go back. Oh, yeah, they weren't just texting their kids or what score it is. They were texting to give. But you can text You can text your amount to 84321. It's just another um, ability. It's another option. Of course, there's the giving boxes, the good old giving boxes located in the back of the church and in the, in the lobby. And then you can always mail to 725 Granite Avenue, whatever is most convenient to you. Again, just like we want to provide connection, we want to make it easy to connect with fellowship and relationship within this church. We also want to make it as easy as possible to give. We don't, we don't, I don't look at giving as something, oh, I got to guilt these people. I got to pull on those emotional heartstrings and, and tell them how important it is to give. Giving is between you and God, right? It's a form of worship, but I am not going to impede that in any way. That's why we have different ways to give. So please think about it. Um, if you have questions on giving, I am always available to talk about that, um, biblically speaking and, and from personal experience, what that does in our lives when we commit to, to honoring God with our finances as well as everything else. Amen? You guys ready to get started? All right, let's, what? John McDougall's ready to get started. Who else is ready to get started? We're all ready to get started. Let's pray, Father, Lord, as we enter into this, this segment, this, this time in our service, this teaching time, Lord God, I pray that you, you unroll the Word for us, Lord God, that you challenge us within that Word. Lord God, speak to our hearts through your Word. Lord, you do not desire us to stay where we are, but you always have a desire to move us just to become a little bit more like your son. Lord God, to move in a deeper relationship with you. So Lord, as we open up our hearts and we open up our minds this morning, we yield to you within that. Holy Spirit, don't let anybody leave this building the same way that they came in. Lord, I know you're in the business of, of changing hearts, healing hearts, healing physical ailments, Lord God, taking away anger and hate and insecurity and fear, Lord God, that is what you are about. So, so Holy Spirit, touch 
the people here today. Let them leave this place very much different, changed, seeking you just a little bit more. And Holy Spirit, don't let anything come out of my mouth that you haven't that you haven't already um, given me. Lord God, if I try to go off on my own, shut my mouth because I only want to speak your word. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And once again, everybody, shout it out. And I'm ready to go. And I'm ready for God's word, right? Amen. So, you know, if you've been, been coming here for a while, you know we've been on this, uh, this series of 1 John. And what started out is this idea of, hey, we can do a quick series on 1 John, maybe, you know, five or six weeks, we can get through it. We are now on part 23, which is way more than a few um, messages. But we're on this, this series, and we, we did take a little break from it. We had a missionary come in, and then the next Sunday it was the first Sunday that I've ever missed because I had like a sickness, right? I missed because of my knee and you didn't want me here on pain pills because that would have been far too entertaining. But because of the missionary and then I got sick and then we had Good Friday and Easter, we've, we've had a little break, a three-week break, but this morning we'll be back at it. We're back into First John and I hope you've been enjoying this series. Have you guys been enjoying this series? There's a lot to learn in this series. But even more than your enjoyment, I hope you have taken these teachings, these principles, and I hope you have applied them into your everyday lives. That's my desire. I don't get up here to try to entertain. I get up here to preach God's Word. And that Word is then passed to you. And then you have a choice to take that Word and digest that Word and to marinate on that Word and to be challenged by that Word, and then to even apply that Word into your everyday life. So that's my desire here, is to, to, to get through this book of 1 John, which is so amazing. There's so much rich stuff. There's so much good stuff. But we don't just come in here on a Sunday morning and be like, oh, that was nice, and go on with our day, do we? We take it, we apply it, and we live it out. And this morning... We are going to start in chapter 5 in this series called No Middle Ground. Now, leaving chapter 4, we have, I hope and I pray, a greater understanding about the Father's love. Chapter 4 is about the Father's love, the completeness of His love, the importance of His love, and even the, the capacity of His love. In this day and age, it's, it's so easy to, to misrepresent and, and uh, misinterpret the, the true love of the Father because we have all these other ideas of what love is. Love is chasing your own desires. Love is having the car of your dreams. Love is, love is doing the job that you want. But that's not true God's love. True God's love transcends those things. It's, it's much deeper than that. So we begin to try to understand that sometimes in our lives we do misrepresent and misinterpret His love. And in so doing, specifically for Christians, we are unable to love one another because we lack the proper understanding of love. Now it's one thing to read in the Bible, okay, I'm supposed to love my neighbor, right? I'm supposed to love others. I'm even supposed to love my enemy. Okay, I see the words on the page. And even just reading that, to try to go out and to do that on my own, I'm going to fall short. You're going to fall short. 
But we have to understand the completeness of God's love, which changes us, it transforms us. Remember, it's not our love. It's not our definition of love. It's God's love that's coming from Him through us. And that enables and equips us to love those difficult people in our lives. There's some difficult people in our lives, right? Yeah, if you're not understanding that, that you're surrounded by difficult people, then you probably are that difficult person. And you need love. And you need to extend love. And we all need to, to love and we need to extend love. So when we pursue this proper understanding of His love, and, and remember, His love is to be perfected and completed in us. That's, that's in 1 John chapter 4. We, we have this idea where John's saying, you know, His love needs to be perfected and completed in us. That seems like such a huge task because who am I? to have His love completed and protected in me. But you know, when that happens, it's a wonderful thing. And when that happens, it's because we pursue a deep relationship with Christ. See, we can't love one another. We can't even love ourselves. And we can't really love God unless we are pursuing that deep relationship with Christ. The process of, of perfection and, and completion, it, it moves us. It actually moves us to a place where we allow and depend upon the love of the Father to cast out fear in our life. And with this same process, we are not only equipped to love one another, we have a desire to actually love one another. Oh boy, I'm equipped to love one another and because God said I have to, I guess I will. So what do I need to do? Reluctantly, if I have to, I guess. It's different because God love moves us into a place where we're compelled to extend that love. We're compelled to, to, to love those that are going through the worst time in their life, that are, that are confused. It's a chaotic time and we see that all over. Step out of the doors of this building and sometimes step into the doors of this building and you'll see the chaos that, that people are in and the, and the misguided ideologies that they're in. But we're compelled to love them. And we're compelled to love them with truth. I cannot emphasize enough how important 1 John chapter 4 is in a believer's faith. So go back and reread. Reread 1 through the end of 4 if you want. Reread the whole book if you so desire. We have to understand there's a lot in in 1 John chapter 4 that we need to not just understand. We need to not just memorize, but that we need to actually incorporate and apply to our lives and in our lives as in community. And now that brings us to chapter 5. So let's look at 1 John chapter 5. We're going to look at verse 1. It's out of the Amplified again because when we're dealing with this kind of Scripture, the Amplified is just pretty amazing. Everyone who believes with a deep abiding trust in the fact that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed, is born of God, that is reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, and set apart for His purpose. And everyone who loves the Father also loves the child born of Him. Chapter 5 starts out with 
with a, a pretty substantial refocus here where the author brings several elements together for the reader to understand and apply. John emphasizes the relationship of, of these three fundamental elements that are so critical and meaningful in our own knowledge of God. Those three elements are, flip that slide, they're faith, love, and obedience, right? That's what we need to have in our life. We need to have faith. We need to have love. We need to have obedience. See, our faith allows us to believe in God, doesn't it? You don't believe in God if you don't have any faith that there is a God. You can't believe in something that, that you don't think exists. So our faith allows us to believe in God. And a belief in God is really conditional upon love. Did you get that? Our faith in God and our belief in God is conditional upon love. It is to accept um, God's love. It's to accept it. But then it's also to extend it, to allow His love to be extended through us. And Christ becomes the reality that we live in. And that belief determines if we are a follower of Christ, if we are a disciple of Christ, or we just know about the Bible. We know about church. I kind of come to church, but I don't know if I believe in everything. I've never really made the commitment. I don't really have a, a relationship, a true relationship. I'm not a follower. I'm not a disciple of Christ. It has everything to do with the acceptance of His love, which in turn builds our faith, right? And that determines our salvation or our, or our damnation status, I guess. That's a no middle ground statement, isn't it? We like to talk about salvation and other, but the other is damnation. I'm not going to stand up here and lie to you. If you're not, if you're not ser serving Christ, if Christ is not your Lord and Savior, your, your current status that has been determined is, is hell and damnation. It's a lack of love and it's a lack of life. And this, this love, this faith, this following Christ, it's our expression of that love based within our faith that, that defines our obedience, really, right? Obedience, oh no, pastor's going to talk about me having to be obedient in church. No, I'm not really talking about it, but John sure is. The great part about all this is how reciprocal all of this is because doesn't our obedience build our faith? Right? The more obedient we are, the more we see God move, the more we, we come into connection with Him, and that sure absolutely does build our faith. And doesn't our faith compel us to, to receive and extend or extend God's love even more, right? It's like, man, I got a taste of God's love and, and what He's done in my life, and I want more of that, and I want to extend it. Boy, I had a conversation and a connection, and I, I'm building a relationship with this person or that person, and it's a relationship built in love, and, and it's pretty neat, and I want to do it more, and, and God's within all of that, and it all comes together in this beautiful dance between the three. Because we know that it is that very love that furthers our obedience, which causes us to grow our faith, which causes us to want to love more and receive more of God's love. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. See, verse 1 is, is very complete. It's very definitive in where that process starts. Let's look at it again. 
Everyone who believes, truly believes, with, with a deep belief, with, a, with an abiding trust in the fact, the very fact, knowing for sure that Jesus is the Christ. The Christ being the Messiah, the Anointed One, the One who atoned upon the cross for our sins. Everyone who does that is born of God. That is, He is reborn from above, spiritually transformed. He is renewed. He is set apart for His purpose. And everyone who loves the Father also loves the child born of Him. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. It's born into this wonderful family. It's a rebirth. It's, it's what John uh, quotes in, in John. John, not 1 John, John chapter 3, that we have to be born again. Don't let anybody tell you. Don't let any pastor tell you. Don't let any church tell you that that, that, that whole born again stuff, it's not really necessary. It's very necessary because it's Jesus' teachings and it's the Father's plan. So everybody who trusts and pursues and believes in Jesus Christ as the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior, they have been born or reborn of God. Everyone who loves the Father also loves Jesus, His Son. Everyone who loves the Father has to love Jesus because Jesus is His Son. They're inseparable. This is the basis of what we place our faith in. Or in a more condensed statement, this is our faith. Right? This is our faith. It's not just what we place our faith in, but it becomes our faith itself. Self. So when somebody asks, what faith are you? What, what, what do you believe? What, what, what faith is it that you, that you fill out on the survey? Essentially, your reply is stating what you have determined to place your faith or your deep abiding trust in. See, we treat that question, so what faith are you, kind of like anything else. Well, what color is your hair? What kind of car do you drive? Well, what faith are you? See, when we are asked that question, we are extending an answer that has the depths of eternity. And we're, we're answering that Jesus Christ is in fact the Son of God, the Christ, the Messiah sent to redeem fallen man. And through Him, we are born again. We are regenerated spiritually. We are transformed. We are renewed. And we are set apart for His purpose. So a question that seems so simple. So what faith are you? Now becomes the opportunity to profess your foundational belief in who Jesus Christ is and what only He has the ability and the authority to accomplish in us as well as in this world. That's why it is so essential to be able to confidently answer this basic question. And it doesn't have to be, and it probably shouldn't be, turned into this 
theologic dissertation on who Jesus is. Let's talk about the person of Jesus historically, who he is. Take a look at Matthew 16. 13 through through 16. This is this is out of the ESV. Now, when Jesus came into the district of uh, Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, "Who do people say that the Son of Man is?" And they said, "Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets." Period. But then Jesus switched it around, and he said to them, "But who do you say that I am?" Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Essentially, Jesus was saying, What faith are you? See, it's very interesting how Jesus goes about asking this question. Because he starts out by saying, Hey guys, gather around. I got a, I got a, I got a first question for you. This is the question, Who... Do people say that the Son of Man is? See, that's a very different question than Jesus looking at them and saying, who do you say that I am? It's personal, isn't it? Jesus already knew the answer to the first question. He wasn't in the dark. I mean, just as he was 100% man, he was 100% God, but just in his 100% man, he knew what people were talking about him. He was in the crowds, he was teaching, he was interacting. He knew, he knew what people were thinking. He knew what they were saying. He was hearing what they were calling him. See, Jesus already knew the answer to the first question. That was not, and it is still not, the important question that Jesus is asking here. Who do you say I am? And sometimes that question comes via another person in the form of, what faith are you? Have you ever thought about it like that? See, it's the same opportunity to unapologetically and, and boldly state who you say Jesus is. Now, not in a weird way, not in an offensive way, not in a hyper-spiritual way, rather in a way that expresses the love of God that you have personally experienced. If that opportunity exists, if that door is opened by someone asking, what faith are you? then why do we so often bypass this incredible opportunity by weakly muttering, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I, I sometimes go to church. And if we even do that, weakly and timidly, sometimes the conversation continues. But when it continues... Too often we try to explain who they say Jesus is. The person doesn't care who they say Jesus is. Who is it that you say Jesus is? Because remember, it doesn't matter who they say Jesus is. Who they say the Son of Man is. How many of you in here this morning could care less what Hollywood says about Jesus? How many in here could care less what the majority of the Middle East says about Jesus and who He is? 
I don't care about that. How many of you in here get all worked up when an atheist denies that Jesus is the Son of God and that there is no God? I don't get worked up. I get burdened. But it doesn't really matter because it doesn't affect me because the question isn't who do they say the Son of Man is. The question is, is who do I say Jesus is? So it matters. Each one of you in here this morning, it matters who you say Jesus is. It's your faith statement. And it's your faith statement backed up by your testimony. You guys know what the beautiful and powerful thing about your testimony is? It's uniquely yours. Your testimony is yours. Your testimony is the story, it's the account, it's you recalling what Jesus has done in your life. It's yours and it's amazing. And you know what else? It is something that is so problematic to an unbeliever because it's, it's not debatable. It happened to you. It is your story. It is how you and God interacted. It's not about what they say who Jesus is and what they say He has done. It's your personal experience of how He has touched your life and how He has changed your life. And it is so irritating to the unbeliever because they can't debate it. No, that didn't really happen to you. Oh no, it really happened to me. And it's amazing. And he wants to do that same thing. Don't talk to me about your God. But you asked me what my faith was. And I'm telling you who Jesus is to me. So it's this personal experience and this witness as to the things that Jesus has personally done in your life. Now when we get in those situations, I'll admit that that people can call you a liar. They can call you a freak. They can call you a dreamer, an outcast, somebody that's out of touch with reality. But didn't they say the exact same things about Jesus? You know what might do us all good? Each one of us in here today and listening online. Something that, eh, I'm just going to throw it out there. Maybe it, maybe it would be helpful. Maybe it would do us all a little bit of good. What if in our quiet time, we actually wrote out or spoke aloud the answer to this question, this very personal question. What if we just wrote that out? What faith am I? I'm going to write that out. I'm going to see. I'm going to see what I write out. What do I believe? You ever write out what you actually believe? Well, I believe what the church believes. I believe what the, the pastor says I believe. And, and I believe what my grandparents believe. No. No. What do you believe? It's not about what they say. You know, what are they saying about this Son of Man guy? No, it's what are you saying about Jesus? What do you believe? Who do I say that Jesus is? Who? Who do I say Jesus is? You've got to ask yourself that question. And then write it out. Speak it out loud. Do something. Why do I act the way I do? Now, that can be a positive or a negative. 
Because sometimes I'll be praying and it'll be like, okay, Jesus, why do I act the way I do? It's because of you, Jesus. It's because of what you've done in, in my life. And, and then there's other times during the day and Amy looks at me and says, why do you act the way you do? Because I know Jesus. Oh, wait, different context there, right? But we need to rationalize that and we need to understand that. We need to practice maybe just a little bit, right? It's like, well, no, I know that if I'm in that situation, the Holy Spirit will come upon me and take over me and He'll give me the words to say because I'm just a robot and He'll download that and my whole personality will be out the window and I won't be able to come up with any words on my own because only the Holy Spirit is going to speak through me. That's not how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit works, comes, He counsels us. He says, man, man, you love Jesus so much. Your relationship is so deep. Now I am here to counsel you and I'm here to give you the right words. But they're going to be your words. And there's going to be some of your words mixed in. But I'm going to impress upon you what I need to say. That's why when you look in the Bible that is the inspired Word of God, the Holy Spirit inspired men to write the Bible. But if you look, there's personalities. Personality traits different in each book of the Bible. Because that person's personality was involved. So sometimes it does us good to actually figure out what we believe. Figure out who I say Jesus is in my own words. How does that look? Do I mix Scripture in there? Sometimes. Do I not? Sometimes. But what is your testimony? What is your testimony? And can you articulate that testimony to somebody that is in need? Somebody without Jesus. Somebody simply asking, what is your faith? What do you believe? What church do you go to? Isn't the times of this day crazy? Have you seen what's going on in this world? It's an opening to declare what faith you are. By declaring what faith you are, you are declaring who Jesus Christ is. You're declaring that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who takes away the sin of the world who craves a relationship with His people, those that are near Him and those that are apart. What faith are you? What is your answer? Uh, I'm a Christian. Shh. I can't say it too loud because I, I work at the state and they frown on that. And I work in construction. And all these guys, if I say it too loud, they'll look at me differently and they'll treat me differently. So i got to be real quiet about what my faith is. But essentially, aren't you denying your belief in who Jesus is? That's hard stuff, right? We think about all this. Think about who Jesus is in our life. Who is He to me? Maybe I'll even write it down. Maybe I'll pray about it. Maybe I'll search the Scriptures even more because, because there's no there's no ending to that the depth is so great the further i press in the more i more i understand who jesus is and who he is to me maybe that would be a good idea wouldn't you agree wouldn't you agree if we were a church equipped to actually deal with the people outside the church wouldn't you love coming into church everybody's always happy it's sunday morning good to see you i've missed you it's been since friday Oh, it's just so good to see you. And I haven't seen you since last week. And, and, and you've been away from church a little bit. Well, come on in. Come back. You are received. We love you. We want to. And we love that. We love that. Come on. Connect with us. 
But how was your trip into church? Right? Sometimes we throw that face up. Everything's wonderful. I know exactly what to say because I need to say what people expect me to say instead of saying who Jesus actually is to you. Walk into church. It's like, man, I'm so glad to be here. Oh, I'm so glad you're here too. Yeah, it's been a hard week. No, uh, I got to go talk to somebody else, right? I don't really want to hear about your hard week. Sometimes we need to hear about that hard week. Sometimes we need to extend God's love because I know who Jesus is. I know who Jesus is to me. Let's take a look at 1 Peter 3, 14 and 15. Out of the amp again. But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, though it is not certain that you will, you are still blessed, happy to be admired and favored by God. Do not be afraid of their intimidating threats, nor be troubled or dismayed by their opposition, but in your heart set Christ apart as holy, acknowledging Him, giving Him first place in your lives as Lord. Always be ready to give a logical defense to anyone who asks you to account for the hope and confident insurance elicited by faith that is within you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. I love it that Peter's like, <laughs> I better add that last piece in there. You know, who knows? We know the Word is divinely inspired, right? But maybe Paul just said, you know, i got to add this in here with gentleness and respect because, because he's accounting his own life, right? Eh, Peter was awesome. And he was a dude, right? He said all sorts of wrong things. And, and my goodness, he cut a guy's ear off. That's not really gentleness and respect, is it? So he had, to, he had to make sure that was in there. Now when I read this, it sounds like we are not to hide our faith or our deep abiding trust in the fact that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one born of God. Rather, we are to take every opportunity, every opportunity, every open door, every discussion, to give an answer as to why our life is filled with hope. Is your life filled with hope? Is it? Is it well with your soul? We need to be able to give an answer to that and we should have a desire to explain to people, hey, this is why I'm filled with hope. Doing it with gentleness and respect, of course, which are the reflection of His love. Right? So it's not a debate, not really even a discussion. It's me sharing my testimony as to why I have faith, hope, and love in Jesus Christ. This is what He has done in my life. You can't really argue with me about that because I've witnessed it. Oh, I've witnessed it. Is that why it's called my witness? I'm testifying to it. Oh, is that why it's called my testimony? But we do it with gentleness and respect. Because the world wants to bait us into a discussion. Right? Why, why would we be any different? What did Satan do to Jesus in the 40 days in the wilderness after his baptism? Satan wanted to hit it. He wanted to hit it. Oh, I want to debate here. I, I want to argue with Jesus. And Jesus just said, no, that's, that's not right. This, the Word of God is written. Now don't tempt me because this is what I know to be true. And the fact of the matter is that Satan knew it to be true as well. 
If that happened, every time we get in a discussion about our faith, there's the potential that that person will try to lead that conversation. But how can they lead that conversation when it's our witness, when it's our testimony? And when we share that hope, we share that love, and we share our optimism, and we share our eternal perspective, do you know how contagious that is in our current cultural climate? Our current cultural climate is pretty nasty. But the words of life come in there, and it shakes stuff up. See, even if they have no idea about God, they have no idea of who Jesus is, even, even if they hate the idea of God, your joyful confidence and hope will elicit a response. Not always the response we want. Not always the response we think, boy, if I talk about that, I'm going to be like the greatest evangelist ever. These people are going to come to Jesus right there. Not according to that Scripture we just read. See, initially it could look a whole lot of different ways, right? Yeah, they could really have some colorful words to describe you. They could get angry. They could walk away. They could try to argue with you. They, would, they could put a target on you. However, I will say this. When we do those things, those seeds have been sown. Those words have been spoken. Those words, they can't deafen those words. They can try to deny them. They can run from them. But those words have been spoken. There is something in there. They have been released. Now they have to rationalize that within their own mindset. Maybe it happens quickly. Maybe it gnaws on them. Oh, it's like burning ash is being poured on me. I don't want to hear those words. It's the Holy Spirit conviction is involved with those words. What I'm saying to you is you're not the Holy Spirit. You don't have to convict what you have to do is sow the seeds. You have to speak the words. You have to be able to articulate what faith are you. What do you believe? Who do you say Jesus is? See, when we speak those words, a beautiful thing happens. Those words are endorsed by the Holy Spirit. Isn't that a cool thing to think of? Those words are endorsed by the Holy Spirit. They carry the authority of the Holy Spirit. They, they carry the authority of the Trinity because they are true and God's Word doesn't return void, right? Doesn't return void. Doesn't always return the way we think it should, but it ain't void. Now look at this. Look at Isaiah 55, 10 and 11. For as the rain and snow comes down from heaven, a little more often in the spring in Montana than other places, but as for the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth, making it bare and sprout, and providing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void unless useless without result, without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. What an incredible, powerful statement that is. Any word that goes out of God's mouth. How many of you guys saw God walking down the walking mall yesterday or at the vintage market? 
I did. I saw some of our church people there. That's God's mouth. That's His choice for speaking. And when we choose God's mouth, when we listen, when we allow the Holy Spirit to move us, when we speak the words that He has for us to speak, and He endorses those words, it's like rain. It's like snow. Man, those seeds that are sown and the, the rain comes down and it waters those seeds and it brings out the, the, the harvest and, and the bread and it's, and it's nourishing and, and all of those great things in the matter for which I sent it. Sometimes we talk to people and it's weird. Nothing seems to happen. And we try to justify that within our limited brain. But it's all about the matter for which God sent it. All we have to do is be obedient. All we have to do is be obedient. Again, we're not the Father. Again, we're not the Son. And again, we're not the Holy Spirit. Let's stop trying to do His job. Because we have our own job. What faith are you? Sow those seeds. Who does Jesus? Who is Jesus to you? Sow those seeds. Here's my testimony. I'm sowing those seeds. God's going to water those seeds. God's going to produce what He needs produced. God is the one that's going to work on that person's heart. What you're to do is to provide yourself for connection, for relationship. Does that mean going down and picking up garbage on a Sunday morning instead of coming to church? Going and eating hot dogs with people? Sitting there picking stuff up saying, but man, what's God doing in your life? Oh, gosh. I've been waiting for somebody to ask me that question for so long. Check this out. This is what God's doing in my life. This is what my faith is. This is what I believe in. This is what I see God doing. So what is your faith? What do you believe? What an amazing, supernatural, and divine opportunity to answer such a question. See, the potential is, is infinite. The potential is life. How and what you choose to answer has the potential to be used to whatever means the Father sees fit. And I say it has the potential simply because it does depend upon how you choose to answer. Because you can run from it. You can discount it. Not that big a deal. I don't really know that person. You can be afraid of it. Well, I probably shouldn't say that. You might get labeled. Or you can embrace it. Because the choice is up to you. The choice is up to each one of us. And only you can make that determination. But remember how you answer as well as the words that you use has the capacity to either end the conversation right there, dead in its tracks, or to open up an avenue to go deeper. And it's the deeper that leads to life. It's the deeper that leads to truth. It's the deeper that leads to Jesus. Now let's revisit our text for today once more. 
Everyone who believes with a deep abiding trust in the fact that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed is born of God. That is reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, and set apart for His purpose. And everyone who loves the Father also loves the child born of Him. It is very much a personal statement for each one of us pertaining to our own personal faith. But it has so much more. It also has the ability to plant a seed that will change someone's eternity as well as their tomorrow. Maybe today is all about the Holy Spirit giving you that extra nudge to start a conversation about your faith. Far too many Christians have been silent for far too long in this country. Go to other countries. <laughs> Man, go to other countries. They find out you're a Christian. They're going to talk your ear off. They find out that you're not a Christian. They're going to talk your ear off. But here in America, we're, we're way more sophisticated than that. We're also wearing more fearful that we'll be labeled something or another. You know, for some of you, maybe it's about you extending an invitation to somebody to come to church. I mean, honestly, why has that gotten so hard? Seriously, why is that so difficult? Even in my lifetime, I can remember a day and age where that wasn't out of the ordinary. Some of you that are older than me, it was incredibly normal. Hey, you don't have a church? What do you mean you don't have a church? Come to my church. Check out my church. Somewhere along the line, because of the all-out attack upon the church, you don't hear that that much anymore. Hey, you want to come to my church? Because, gosh, I need to respect their beliefs, right? No, I'm asking in a gentle and a kind way. I'm asking because I, I see your life. I'm asking because you seem hopeless. I'm asking because you don't seem to have any positive connection in your life. So I'm simply extending this, this, this question. Hey, you want to you wanna come to my church and try things out? And here's just a gentle reminder to everybody. If you do, in fact, invite someone to church, offer to pick them up. That's a good way of saying, no, you're coming. But offer to pick them up. It's always, well, I don't know where that church is. We don't, we don't have a church on the main street. Well, it's right across from McDonald's. No, it's, you know where Kessler School is? Well, not really. Well, it's up from Kessler School. What do you mean up from Kessler? We're just in a, not a great location, right? So we invite somebody to church and we say, hey, you know what? I can, I can just come by and I can, I can pick you up. I can give you a ride. I can give you a ride here and I'll also give you a ride home. Invite them. Invite them to sit with you. But invite them to sit with you where they'll feel comfortable. I mean, gosh, get to church early because the back rows fill up first. Right? But sometimes if they're a new person and they don't really know what's going on and they're, they're yeah, I don't know if I want everybody watching me, maybe, maybe it's appropriate to sit on the back row. I won't judge you. Oh man, Charmaine slid all the way to the back row. We'll talk later. Because you don't have a guest with you. So I guess what I'm saying is, 
if you're going to sit on the back five rows, you better have a guest with you. <laughs> Otherwise, let's fill the front up, right? But offer to sit with them and sit where they'll be comfortable. Here's a crazy one. Here's, a, here's an out-of-the-box idea. Go to lunch with them after you invite them to church. Meet them at the door when they come. Sit with them and then say, hey, you want to go grab something? That way church isn't just this, oh, well, it starts at 10.10 and we get out whenever the pastor quits talking and then we just go on with our own busy lives. Connection, remember? Invite them to Wednesday nights. Invite them out to lunch. Build that relationship because the relationship that you build with them may become the avenue for them to have a relationship with Christ. What faith are you? Hey, you want to try church? You want to come to church with me? No, it's not that weird. They only bring out the snakes on the fifth Sunday of the month. Wait, May has a fifth Sunday. It's not like that. It's simply, hey man, it's a good place to connect. You don't have to, again, get into this theological discussion. I think you might enjoy it. There's a lot of crazy people. Shorts and flip-flops, you'll fit right in. Blue jeans, come on in. I'll meet you at the door. And then maybe afterwards, we can go get something to eat. Now, is this easy? Not in a post-Christian day and age. That's what we're living in. We're living in a post-Christian day and age in this country. So it's not that easy. But is it worth it? Without a doubt. And is it okay to practice a little bit beforehand? Role play a little bit. That might get a little weird. Amy, so what faith are you? And then she can explain it to me. And then I can say, you know what? You should tweak this. And then she looks at me and says, why do you act the way you do? No. But there's things that we can do to role play and, and have fun, and, but we need to be able to articulate so that when we get to that opportunity, that divine opportunity that God will absolutely extend to you, you can either answer the question or you can say, yeah, you want to come to church with me? I'll pick you up. We can go to lunch afterwards. No, it's not that weird. It's actually somewhat normal. Faith love and obedience and we're going to we're going to talk more about that not next week because we'll be at the lake but the week after see this is God's perfect prescription for your walk with him it's way more than you think it is it's way more than what you're experiencing right now and maybe you are in an amazing place. Maybe you are in a great place, but I can confidently say that there's way more. There is way more. Worship team, if you would like to come up here. So within all this, what do we need? What do we need? Well, we, we really can boil it down. We, we really need three things. Because remember, we already have a relationship with Christ. We already have a deep desire to pursue Christ. We already have that relationship that, that, that is just, it's solid. We know who Jesus is. What we need is we need ears to hear when God's saying, hey, here's an opportunity. We need wisdom, right? We need wisdom to know what to say. Now, the Holy Spirit will give us what to say, but we have to have the wisdom to, to figure that out. Okay, is this me or is this the Holy Spirit? 
this is what the Holy Spirit wants me to say, but how do I want to say it? In what context? Remember, joyfully, not, not abrasive. So we need to be able to hear. We need the wisdom. We, we need trust, right? We need to have that fundamental trust. God, you're not going to hang me out there, are you? <laughs> I've been in those situations where I'm dealing with people and they hang me out there and then they're sitting there laughing. I'm like, man, I'm hung out. This is bad. We need to have the trust that God will never do that to us. And then finally, we need to have the boldness. Boldness is the opposite of being timid. Boldness is the opposite of having fear. We need to have the boldness to speak the truth of who Jesus is to us. We need to have the boldness to share our testimony. Boldness is generally the one that holds us back. Hearing wisdom, trust, boldness, of which the Holy Spirit freely extends to each one of us. Remember, He endorses our words when we're dependent upon Jesus. We just need to ask. That easy? We just need to ask? Holy Spirit, speak to me. Holy Spirit, give me boldness. Holy Spirit, give me the right words to say. Holy Spirit, help me to hear you better. Is it really that simple? Or do we serve a God that holds himself back from us? That shelters himself from us? That ignores us? It's not my God. My God is always speaking to me, but I'm not always hearing. My God is always extending his wisdom but I'm not always accepting it my God is always encouraging me with trust but in my own life sometimes I can distrust and God himself is giving me his boldness again sometimes I, I don't want that boldness I want to have an excuse just ask we're going to worship I'm going to pray then we're going to worship we're going to open up these altars. Because here's the deal. If what I am speaking on today is making you go, you know what? Gosh, I fall short here. and Maybe I fall short there. I'm pretty good at this, but, but I'm not good at that. That's, a lot of that is Holy Spirit conviction. He's leading you. He's, he's instructing you. He's, he's equipping you. He's saying, this is what you need to work on, but I'm here to help you work on that. So if any of this that I spoke on today. What is your faith? Hey, you want to go to church? Boldness, fear. Who is Jesus? Who do they say Jesus is? Well, who cares about that? Who do I say Jesus is? I'm going to invite you guys to the altar. And, and, and the really funny thing about today is, is that I'll be honest with you. You can't come to the altar within the safety of this building how are you going to affect the masses out there that are in desperate need of Jesus? If you're, if you're holding back, it would be because of fear, intimidation, uncertainty, a lack of trust. If you can't get to the altar here on a Sunday morning, how are you going to deal with the world? I don't want to guilt anybody. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just simply throwing those questions out there. There's a lot that happens in the altar. Not because 
this spot, these GPS coordinates are any different than anywhere else. The reason it's different is because God is calling you to do something and you're accepting that. You're not fearing it. You're not afraid. You're not hyper-spiritual and in no need of it. We throw all that out of there. We simply say, God, you want me at the altar. I am yours. I am yours. Father, Lord, forgive us for being hard-hearted in so many different ways. Forgive us for, for being lackadaisical in so many ways. Lord, forgive us for not answering the question truly within our own hearts. Who do you say I am? Lord, forgive us for turning a blind eye to those in this community that are hopeless, that are in desperate need of you. Lord, we need your biz- your wisdom. We need your trust. We need, we need ears to hear. But Lord, we need your boldness. Lord, the example of your Son throughout the Gospels was joyful boldness. He bold. He was bold enough to speak what needed to be spoken. But he did it in a way that opened the conversation, that continued the conversation. Lord, help us to be like your son, Jesus. In your authority and power, help us to, to long for that and to walk in that. And Holy Spirit, equip us with the right words endorsed by you with the boldness to speak such things. We ask this, mighty Father. Ask it through the Son. We ask it by way of the Holy Spirit. Pray this in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. It's the move. We need to move because we need a move. Thank you guys for coming today. Take the words, take take his teaching, apply it to your life. Begin to live it out. Don't leave here today without telling somebody who you say Jesus is. Tell them what your faith is. Resolve that you are going to watch for those opportunities that God places in your life to talk about your testimony and what God has done in your life. What a beautiful thing. It's, it, it, it does something within us. It, it, it just it builds and then we just don't want to stop and then we're looking around for people and, and we're waiting for God's opportunity. Sometimes getting into it or getting back into it is the hardest thing. But once you're in it, man, we just want to talk about Jesus all the time. Next week, we'll be at Spring Meadow. Bring somebody. Man, how is that way the way church is supposed to look? Sometimes. It sometimes is. Come with the mind of having fellowship, of not isolating yourself, putting on a grumpy face, but truly wanting to connect. God is on the move. We have to choose if we want to be in that move. Father, may each person in here and online be blessed. May they be blessed with a deeper relationship with you. Pray this in your name, Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You guys are dismissed. 
This concludes today's message. We hope you can join us next Sunday for services beginning at 10 o'clock a.m. at Bridge Assembly located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information about Bridge Assembly, go to bridgehelena.com. And we hope you can join us next Sunday with Pastor Jason Metz.